Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nyberg. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nyberg. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul speaks of his entrance into Corinth. And he said in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, I've entitled this morning's message, Wisdom and Foolishness. Now, throughout the scriptures, men are divided into two groups. There are the righteous and the wicked. There are the saved and there are the lost. There are believers and unbelievers. There are the living and the dead, and I'm talking about alive in Christ or dead in trespasses and sins, and there are the wise and the foolish. Right now, you and I, before God, are either wise men or we are fools. Now, the only wise people in the world are people who believe the gospel. Let me repeat that. The only wise people in the world are people who believe the gospel, who look only to Christ as everything in their salvation. Everyone else, without exception, is a fool. If you and I do not believe the gospel, we are not like the wise man who built his house on the rock but we're like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. We're not like the wise who took oil in their lamps. What is the only thing that will cause the flame? The oil. But we're like the foolish who had the lamps but had no oil in their lamps. Now, according to the scriptures, the wise of this world are the greatest of fools. Now that's a strong statement, and I hope that you'll hear me out throughout this message. The wise of this world are the greatest of fools. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, The Lord knoweth 
the thoughts of the wise. That's the wise of this world, the philosophers. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain, that they are empty and meaningless. In verse 17 of chapter 1, this is where I want to begin to get down to where we were. For Christ, Paul said, sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, Paul says, I'm not trying to market the gospel. I'm not using wisdom of words to try to make it more attractive to you and you more likely to receive it. I'm not trying to hide the offense. I'm preaching the gospel in its naked simplicity. For, he said in verse 18, the preaching of the cross, and that is the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the cross, is to them that perish foolishness. That's all they see it as. Why, that's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written. Now you're going to find that phrase over and over throughout the scriptures. Here is the proof of something. It is written. The Bible is the inspired word of God. Now when Paul was writing this, the New Testament had not yet been fully completed. He's appealing to the Old Testament scriptures for it is written. Nothing else needs to be said. The Bible is the inspired word of God. And someone thinks, how do you expect me to believe that? Well, you believe that God created the universe from nothing. Somebody says, I don't believe that. Well, you should, because that's the truth. God created the universe from nothing. And if God can create the universe from nothing, he can inspire men to write a book and keep it preserved from error, where God makes known to us who he is. You see, you're not dependent upon me to know who God is. You have God's own word to reveal to you who you are and who he is. And Paul makes this appeal for it is written, this is God speaking from the Old Testament, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, I couldn't help but think about when the Lord made this statement. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things, the things of salvation, from the wise and the prudent, those who believe themselves to be wise and prudent. And you revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Paul goes on to say in verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the philosopher? Where is the scribe? Where is the author of the treatise of human wisdom? Where is the disputer of this world, the orator, the rhetorician who uses debate and human logic in order to wow people. Where are these people? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
Verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, by its own wisdom, by its own understanding, by its own efforts, by its own works, the world by wisdom knew not God. You and I will not know God unless he is pleased to make himself known to us. The world by its wisdom knew not God, but listen to this, it pleased God. It pleased God. This is his pleasure. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, I think it's interesting in our day, the worship leader is called the song leader in most religious institutions. And the sermons are um, pop psychology for the most part. But it still has pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. What I'm doing right now, the world calls that foolishness. I know you'd, you'd say that. That's what God said you'd say. But it still pleased God by the foolishness, foolishness of preaching, the, the message that the world calls foolishness. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Who is saved? Them that believe. They believe the message of the gospel. Now Paul goes on to say for the Jews, the religious people, they require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. Let's talk about this for just a moment. The Jews, the religious people. Now this is not anti-Semitism. This isn't picking on the Jewish nation. This is talking about every religious person. The Jews require a sign. They need proof. They need something tangible and visible that they can see. You'll remember when the Lord was tempted, the devil said, if you're, son of the God, if you're the Son of God, prove it. Command that these stones be made bread. Jump off the temple and prove to everybody because the scripture says he'll give his angels charge over thee, lest at any time uh, thy dash thy foot against the stone. They'll, they'll catch you if you jump off. Prove it. And the religious person needs proof. I need proof that you're uh, telling the truth. Let me see how big your church is. Let me see how many miracles you can perform. I mean, and this is even in every natural man. We look as to signs as to whether or not I'm saved. Well, how good am I? How much victory do I have over sin? How much growth do I have in my life? I need these signs to prove to me whether or not God has done anything for me. The Jews require a sign. The Greeks, the non-religious, and that's a big population. They want wisdom. I need wisdom to make this world a better place. I need to have education improved. I need to have the economy improved. We need more uh, expertise in healthcare and technology. We need wisdom to make this world a better place. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Now, if that is not my message every time I preach, I'm not preaching the gospel. I hope when you turn, tune in next week, you'll hear me bringing the same message. Maybe from a different text, but it's the same message. Christ crucified. Christ, the Son of God, Christ, God's prophet, 
God's priest, God's king, Christ, the eternal creator, who he is. That's the issue, who he is. Christ crucified, God's prophet nailed to a cross, God's priest nailed to a cross, God's king nailed to a cross, suffering and bleeding and dying. Why? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin. Why was Christ nailed to a cross? Because God made him to be sin. The sins of all of the elect were removed from them and placed in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And he became guilty of the commission of those sins. No, he never sinned in himself. But when my sin became his sin, he owned it as his own. And God killed him. The justice and the law of God killed him. You say wicked men killed him. Yes, but they were only used by the justice of God to punish iniquity. But just as truly as my sin became his sin, his righteousness becomes my righteousness. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now we preach Christ crucified. And to the Jews, this is a stumbling block. To hear that my salvation has nothing to do with my works, that my salvation has wholly to do with his works and my works don't even enter in. Why? That's scandalous. If you preach something like that, people won't have any motivation for obedience. They won't walk in good works if you preach something like that. Why, that will lead to sin and scandal. This message that Christ crucified is everything in salvation and human works don't even count. That is a scandalous, that's a stumbling block. And the Greeks say, well, that's foolishness. How's that going to improve the economy? How's that going to improve education? How is that going to improve our society? Why, that's foolishness. But Paul says, unto them which are called. Called by God. You see, Romans 8, 29 says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. To those who were the called of God. Now, you won't see it this way if God hadn't called you. But if God has called you, here's what you're going to see. Christ the power of God, and Christ, the wisdom of God. Now, if God called you, here's what you're going to see. Christ is the very wisdom of God in making a way for God to be just and justify somebody as sinful as me or you. Not only is he the wisdom of God, he's the power of God to execute this. God can do this. God can make my sin to not be through his son. He can make me the very righteousness of God in his son. Paul says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. What men count foolish, 
It's wiser than anything a man could come up with. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Somebody says, what's the weakness of God? Well, the scripture says he was crucified through weakness. But oh, the infinite strength of him in his weakness when he put away the sins of everybody he represented. Paul goes on to say, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Most of those people, God passes by. I don't see movie stars and politicians and famous people and uh, intelligent people clamoring to hear the gospel. Not many. Not many. But God, verse 27, but God hath chosen. This is who God chooses. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not. The things which are nothing. Do you have nothing to recommend you to God? If that would describe you, you're someone God has chosen. And here's why he's made this choice. That no flesh, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. He's not going to have that. No flesh is to glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. He says to the church at Corinth, and he says to every believer, of him, of God, are you in Christ Jesus. Now somebody says, what that, what's that mean? Well, when John the Baptist came to be baptized of Christ, John the Baptist said, I need to be baptized of thee, and you come to me? And the Lord said, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, if, I, if I'm in Christ, that means when he fulfilled all righteousness, I fulfilled all righteousness. When he died, I died. When he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. When he ascended back to heaven, I did too in him. As he's seated in the heavenlies right now, we're seated together in the heavenlies with him. Now, if you're in Christ, that means everything God requires of you, he looks to Jesus Christ for. That's what it means to be in Christ. Somebody says, well, how do you get in Christ? God's got to put you in him. Of him are you in Christ. Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. If you're in Christ Jesus, God has made him to you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He's your wisdom so that God can have fellowship with you. The infinite, incomprehensible God can have fellowship with you. The holy God, the righteous God can embrace you because he's made to you righteousness. Holiness, sanctification is holiness. You and your pollution, he makes you, he makes me holy. 
He's a full and complete sin payment. He's made unto me redemption. That according as it's written, verse 31, he that glorieth. And you're going to boast in something. Every man's going to do it. You're going to boast in something. But he says, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And then Paul says in chapter 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, he's talking about when he first went into Corinth. When I came into you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I am not interested in politics. I'm not interested in current events. I'm not interested in trying to change the culture. I'm not interested in trying to make this world a better place. Here's my one purpose. I determined not to know anything among you to consider anything as even worth talking about, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, if the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified is not in every message I've preached, a message without Jesus Christ and Him crucified is an error in its conception and a crime in its delivery. Now, you judge every message you hear by this, where's the lamb? That's what Isaac asked his father when they walked up the mountain. He said, here's the wood, here's the fire. Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And with regard to every message you and I hear, we better ask this question, where's the lamb? Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he said, and I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, conscious of my own weakness, fearing and trembling lest I, lest I misrepresent God. And I hope I come to the pulpit every time I preach with that kind of attitude, not some kind of cocky self-confidence and arrogance, but weakness, conscious of my own weakness, fear and trembling lest I misrepresent God. And he says in verse four, in my speech and my preaching, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, psychological tricks to try to get you to respond, but in, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I believe my gospel is such that all I'm to do is to preach it and leave you alone and wait for God the Holy Spirit with irresistible power to do his work in you. That, here's why Paul says we do that, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Be buttressed, held up in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Wisdom and foolishness. The world calls the gospel foolishness, foolishness. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither indeed can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Now why does the natural man consider the gospel foolishness? Well, the gospel declares 
that we need to be saved. I don't need to be saved. I need uh, better teaching. I need better economy. I need better education. I need better, we have all kinds of needs. I need a better job. I need more money. I need to have a happier life. The gospel says that God is holy and righteous and he must punish all sin. God is perfect and requires absolute perfection. And the only way you and I can be saved is if God saves us. He must do it all. Why? That's foolishness. That's foolishness. Well, you'll find out. The need to be saved in the first place. I am bad. He is good. I am sinful. He is righteous. How can a righteous God accept an evil man? You know, when preachers talk about, won't you accept Jesus as your personal Savior? That's foolishness. The issue is not, will you accept him? The issue is, will he accept you? Men count the need to be saved foolishness. Here's second thing. Here's second reason why men uh, count the gospel foolishness. There's only one source of information, the Bible. We're completely dependent upon this book to know who God is with his spirit opening the meaning to us. Somebody says, you expect me to believe a book thousands of years old and that's the only source of information? Yes. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, we need to be saved. There's only one source of information and we cannot save ourselves. The Bible is not a self-help book. There's no help in us. If God gives us what the old time writers called an alien righteousness. Somebody says an alien righteousness. That, what do you mean by that? When I think of aliens, I think of flying saucers and people from other galaxies and planets and uh, space Alien righteous means it didn't come from here. An alien righteousness means that the, it's the righteousness that you had no hand in performing. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ who came down from heaven and worked out a perfect righteousness as the only ground of salvation. Now, I don't, if I come to his, into his presence, I can't come with a sense of entitlement thinking God owes me this, God owes me that. No, my only hope is that he will give me his righteousness. Now let me say this. This salvation is utterly free. I can't say that strong enough. It's free. This salvation excludes all other ways. You, there's not salvation in other religions. There's not salvation in other ways to God. Christ said, I am the way. No man comes to the Father but by me. And this glorious salvation is for anyone who comes. The Lord said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise for no reason cast out. Wisdom and foolish, the wise look to Christ only. The foolish look to their works. May God make us all wise 
men and women. This is Todd Nybert, praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com. Or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.